All right. So we are, uh, I'm going to back these up because I know I'm going to trip over them. So we are right now in the series called The Names of God. Um, Can we go ahead and put that graphic up there, Blake? I think we got a graphic up there. So we're in the middle of a series called The Names of God, where what we are doing, we are spending some time looking at the different names that God has in the Bible. Last week, we talked about his personal name, which is Yahweh. And if you are planning on being here for the next couple of weeks, and you're going to be hearing about these sermons, I really would suggest going on our website or listening to our podcast about this name, Yahweh. Uh, it's, it's an amazing insight into God's character. See, the name Yahweh means I am. And when God first reveals this name, he says, I am who I am. And we learned about how this name, what it actually is, it's describing God's character. Because if God shows love to somebody, meaning that when God says, I am who I am, that if I show love, that is who I am. If you were to look up love in the dictionary, you would see me, right? I think we can all sometimes be who, look at that, names of God, there we go. So sometimes we could be who we are right? Sometimes if I show love to somebody, you don't all of a sudden open up the dictionary and see a picture of me. So sometimes I can do it. But with God, every time he displays something of his character, that is who he is. So for the next several weeks, as we go through these names, this is my goal for all of us, is that we would know God a little bit more intimately. And I think all of us have these views of God that aren't always accurate, that aren't always true. And my hope is, is that we would slowly chip away at some of those viewpoints that we have of God that aren't actually accurate. Because as we understand him and his character, um, it'll help us get connected with God. We believe that God is knowable. I don't know if we can know all that there is about God while we're on this earth, but we can know some things. So the first name that we're going to be taking a look at is Jehovah Yireh. Jehovah Yireh. It's on your sheet there. And this means the Lord will provide. Another translation for this that if you grew up in church like me, you may have heard before is Jehovah Jireh. Has everyone ever heard of Jehovah Jireh or the name Jehovah before? Well, that's actually the same thing that we're going to be talking today. Yahweh Yireh is the same as Jehovah Jireh. So I want to take a moment just to kind of explain what that is. The term Jehovah is actually a translation of the term Yahweh. You may say, hey, we've been talking about the names of God and you haven't mentioned Jehovah yet. Well, Jehovah is a translation of Yahweh. Um, And what's really fascinating is how we get that translation and why it's a little different. So in the Old Testament, uh, the patriarchs, those who would pray to God, would use his personal name Yahweh. We see all of them, Moses, right, David, all of them would say the term Yahweh. However, the Jews, when they were in captivity and they were beginning to uh, get the Old Testament and the Torah and everything together, they made a decision that they didn't want this name Yahweh to be said out loud. That they were thought that it was so holy and they were so concerned about the commandment, taking the Lord's name in vain, that what they decided to do is said, we're never going to say this name except once a year by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. It's the only time this name will be uttered for anybody is this name Yahweh. And so what they did was, is they were so afraid that a Gentile would be reading their Hebrew texts and they would actually say this name Yahweh, 
they did something sneaky as they kept the consonants, but they put different vowels there in their translations. So someone who was reading who didn't necessarily know you weren't supposed to say the name would say Yahuwah. And as you were reading along, it would be a way to kind of throw people off the scent. Well, this was actually, this actually worked. And the first early church, as they began to read this name, and as we began to do translations into Latin and some of these other Bibles, we would just see that name and think that, hey, it means Yahuwah, that's his name. But actually, the device used to throw us Gentiles off the scent worked. So that's where we get the uh, translation Jehovah, is basically the Jews' way of kind of like, making it so we would, that name would be hidden. And so that's kind of an interesting little tidbit about that name. If you ever hear Jehovah, it's what that uh, name actually means. Um, and the, I think that there's something to that, because I, I think that there's, in one aspect, um, I, I so respect, even today, if you have friends who are Jewish, they won't say God's name. It's something that is very sacred to them. And I think that that in some aspects, is super meaningful, that there's so much respect for God that they won't say his name. But you'll notice here that I have said Yahweh quite a bit. In fact, Yahweh's on our paper. Because when I read the text, and when I see um, all of the different patriarchs use his name, and God giving his personal name, I, I see it as I read God's text as something to be used. Not something to be misused but something to help us connect with him. So that's why I will use that term, not showing disrespect to others who won't, but why I think. But I do think that it brings an important moment that there is power in God's name. And if you're sitting there and you say the, the name Yahweh, God's going to show up. So whenever I use the term Yahweh Yira, you could always think of the Jehovah Jireh. I remember that song, you know, the Jehovah Jireh song, kind of back in the day that we would always sing. Well, let's go ahead and look about where this came in Scripture. It came in Genesis chapter 22. So a little bit of background before we get there. God goes to Abraham and gives him a promise. I'm going to make you into a great nation, and God will bless the entire world through you. And you will have as many children as you can see, stars in the sky. Well, Abraham was 75 years old at this point with no kids. We're doing the chances of a 75-year-old dude <laughs> with no kids having a whole bunch of grip of kids, right? It's, it's an insane promise. But yet, Abraham holds on to this promise, and he holds on to this promise. And how long do you think it took for this promise to be realized, for to have him to have a child? It took 25 years. He didn't have his son Isaac until he was 100 years old. Can you imagine that? You are sitting there and you receive a promise from God that's so fantastical, but for two and a half decades, you're sitting back resting in that promise. I can imagine a lot of time Abraham is thinking, is this still going to happen before? Have you ever had that where you have a promise from God that you're contending for and you're like, where the heck are you? What is happening here? Well, he finally has a child at 100 years old. You can imagine how thankful you would be you've been contending for that long and finally you receive that promise and it brings us to our story in Genesis 22 it's an odd story if you just read it on its surface without knowing what's going on and it seems a little bit mean to be quite frank but let's go ahead and read this story that's happening as Abraham is faced with the idea of losing the thing that was promised to him Genesis 22 verse 6 we'll start reading it says Abraham so, sorry, a little bit of background. So, God actually goes to Isaac or to Abraham and says, I want you to take Isaac and go to the top of a mountain and sacrifice him. 
So he's now faced with the idea of losing his only son. This only son that he loved so much, he'd have to sacrifice on this mountain. So now Genesis 22, verse 6. Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, "Uh, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Well, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built on an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He then bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw the ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering to his son. So Abraham called that place Yahweh Yira. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So this is where we get the term. This is the only place in the scriptures where it has this term, Yahweh Yira or Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord provides. A couple things that I want to discuss with this, and then we're going to break into our small groups and actually discuss this passage together. Um, you know, it's such a deep passage, and we look at this, and I, you can't imagine what Abraham is thinking, right? To have the one thing he loves so much, and yet in that moment, he's being asked to sacrifice the one thing he loved. Um, Genesis doesn't give us any clue or insight into what was happening. Hebrews actually does. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham believed God so much that he had so much faith in Yahweh that it says that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise him from the dead. So in Abraham's mind this entire time, he's like, I believe in God's promises so much, and this makes so little sense to me, but it doesn't matter. My God is so powerful that he could raise Isaac from the dead. That his belief in Yahweh was so fantastical. And as we read the story, I think it's worth noting, kind of before we quickly move on, like, what the heck is going on here? Like, what does this story contribute to the overall gospel narrative, right? Why do you take like this mean, this hundred-year-old man who's been contending for a child for that long, and then you ask him to sacrifice him, and in the very moment, you actually uh, kind of do a little switcheroo. Like, what's the point of that? And one of the things about this passage that is just so overflowing is this picture, and, and why I believe that it contributes to the message of the Bible, is really it's a typology. It's a story of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Even some of the pictures are the same. Isaac, right, Abraham's only son, he's carrying the wood that he's going to be sacrificed on up the mountain. The same way Jesus carried his cross up the mountain. And he was laid on this altar, somebody that Abraham loved so much. And this picture that what Isaac didn't have to do, Jesus did. 
And ultimately, I think it's a beautiful picture. When we talk about the Lord providing, it reminds us that he ultimately has given us the biggest provision of all, his son. That any of us could be on that altar and deserve death, but yet because God gave his son and sacrificed his son, we receive the wonderful promise that is. I think that that's something that we shouldn't necessarily move on so quickly from. It's kind of whenever we're in a state and asking, God, will you be, please provide for me? Sometimes it's easy to forget that he has already provided the most ultimate thing for us. It's already been given. We can lose sight of it. I lose sight of that all the time. Saying, God, why couldn't you just give me that parking spot? That close, right? It's raining. Like, Jehovah Jireh, where are you providing? But sometimes when we look and we step back and we take a moment and look at what God is doing, kind of like Dr. K was saying, in this arc of our lives, he has already provided for us. I think that that's a good thing, that as we begin to pray and ask God for things, to just take a moment and be thankful for what he's already given us right there on that cross. So the story is pointing, and the term Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh is pointing to a sacrifice. The other thing that I want to mention quickly before we move into our groups is this verb, yira. See, it would make sense, since it's translated, the Lord provides, that that verb yira means provides. Well, it does not mean provides. It actually means to look or to see. So the literal translation of Yahweh yira is Yahweh sees or looks. In fact, 2 Samuel 12, 7 says this. It says, Yahweh does not yira look at the things people yira look at. People yira at the outward appearance, but, but the Lord yiras at the heart. And we sit there and we're like, what the heck does seeing have to do with providing? Right? That doesn't, like, why don't we just translate it as sees, right? Yahweh sees you. Like, what's the point of this? And the reason why is that this right here, scholars have taken as an idiom for provision. That when Yahweh provides, he's not just sitting back there. As we begin to pray for God and said, God, can you give me this? And God's kind of looking like, all right, well, let me see where I got that. Yep, I got that right here. Let me go ahead and provide it to you, right? Instead, the attitude of Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh provides is that he already has what you need. He sees you and where you're at and will give it to you. I experience this sometimes. Like my wife and I, we've been married about 15 years now. And it's funny, like sometimes, like I know this happened just the other day. I had her phone on me. And she was walking, and there was something that was happening that I knew she wanted to take a picture for. I just saw it and was like, I know that she's going to want to take a picture of this. So I be, because I saw her and saw what was going on, I was seeing what was happening, and I had her phone. I took the phone out of my pocket and began to give it to her right as she was checking her pockets for her phone. And she was like, how did you know that's what I wanted? And it was like, because I was seeing what was going on. I knew what you wanted before you even asked for it. I knew exactly what you wanted to do. And this is the exact picture that Jesus tells us God is like. When he's giving us the Lord's prayer, he says, don't stand up there and babble like the pagans. He says, because the Lord knows what you ask before you ask it. 
Notice that Jesus doesn't say, so don't worry about praying. No, 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 we, we should pray. But when we talk about Yahweh Yirah, the Lord who provides for us, it's the picture of somebody who's there and is giving us what we need before we ask it. And we're like, God, I didn't even know I needed that yet. I experienced that conversation with somebody Friday. I was at lunch with a friend of mine that I'm, met, that I'm uh, discipling right now. And he had just graduated high school and was kind of like, eh, I think I might go to college. Don't, don't really want to go to college, not really know what to do. And then through a crazy turn of events, he was able to get connected to go to um, Bates Technical College and what he wants to do. And uh, didn't have any money. And I remember him having conversations with me and other, his other family. Was, I don't even know how I'm going to pay for it. And all of a sudden, I was talking with him, and, and he was like, well, I'm going to apply for some scholarships. And I talked with him at lunch. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, yeah, not only did I get all of my school paid for, I actually have a little bit more than I need. How many of you ever got paid to go to college? Well, my friend here is getting paid to go to college. And it was so funny. I was in this conversation with him. like, how crazy is that? You know what I mean? And his response was like, eh, I knew God was going to provide for it. I was, I'm more worried about some of the math classes I have to take than paying for this college because I know that God's provided. He's always provided for me. And I look at that and I'm just like, what a great picture here of what it means that Yahweh Yira, the Lord provides, the Lord saw, even though this guy, God knew that he was going to be going to college before he even knew he was going to go and had a way and a path for him to receive it. So what I want to do now is we're going to talk in our groups. And we're going to, we have four different questions on there. There's a lot of questions because Gina and I, we were kind of just debating which questions. We usually like to have two, and that's enough. We couldn't pare any down, so we decided to go with four. So don't necessarily feel like you have to go through all of them. But we're going to take a moment and discuss some of this and what it actually means for Yahweh to provide for us. Two things before I wanted to say. First of all, we really have been wanting to do this outside, but the field was so soggy that we couldn't. So we realize that it's a bummer to have a mask. It's loud in here. Just realize that it's hard to hear. So if you're in a group, try to keep it, the side conversations down. And if you're talking, just realize it may be hard for other people to hear you. And the second thing I'd like to say, raise your hand if you like to talk. Raise your hand if you like to talk. I like to talk. I'm one of those who likes to talk. I'll tell you what, if given, if given the opportunity, I would sit down and talk. If you're somebody who likes to talk, maybe take a moment and in these groups, maybe just allow others a chance to share. Because I'll tell you what, a lot of times when it's silent, I will just want to fill the conversation with talking. But sometimes it's just some of the other people who need time to process. So if you like to talk, if you find yourself talking too much, pinch yourself in the thigh and be like, all right, I'm going to keep my mouth quiet. Um, so that way everyone has a chance to share together. So, all right, let's go ahead and start. So let's look on all of the different groups and the tables that we're at. And uh, let's see what God wants to do through this conversation.